Welcome to the Democracy Group, a network of podcasts about democracy, civic engagement, and civil discourse. This week, we're actually going to feature an episode from one of our partner organizations, the Bridge Alliance. This episode is from their To Build a Bridge podcast, hosted by Deputy Chief of Staff Shakira Mills. If you enjoy the episode or want to learn more about the Bridge Alliance, head over to bridgealliance.us or follow the links inside the show notes. Polarization is one of the biggest barriers between us and healthy self-governance. Social media and mainstream news stations broadcast only extremes for both parties regularly, creating the narrative that each end of the ideological spectrum is both radical and irrational. What is worse is that each side has villainized the other. Specifically, being conservative in this era has become quite unpopular. All too often, conservatives are labeled as prejudiced, hateful, and uneducated conductors of national misinformation. This unfortunately discourages many from openly sharing their outlook. I got the opportunity to sit down with Stephanie Slade of Reason Magazine, Shoshana Wiseman of R Street Institute, Michelle Dixon of Bridge Alliance, and Jeremy Garson of Bridge Alliance to discuss the modern American conservative experience and what the right wing is really trying to accomplish. Shoshana, can you please introduce yourself and what you do in this field? So I work with the R Street Institute. I genuinely love my job so much. I do everything from heading all of our digital media to sometimes other comm stuff. I'm also a fellow working on occupational licensing reform and um, social media regulation, often not regulation. Overall, though, we're a free market think tank um, and our motto is free markets, real solutions. We want to take stuff that's solvable that maybe people aren't focusing on as much and come up with ideas that you know, would appeal to everyone and that people might be open to. So on cybersecurity, we focus on all kinds of things, including just figuring out small ways to keep states more protected because they get hacked a lot. On um, occupational licensing reform, there's a lot of people who can't get jobs, who are kept out of the workforce or kept from moving up the economic ladder. And we just want to come up with ideas that people are open to, to change that. And then on criminal justice reform, there's so many problems to solve. The justice system wastes money. It hurts people too many times and doesn't rehabilitate. So we want to change that. And um, we work on all issues like that, the environment, um, lots of other stuff, um, insurance. We're famous for flood insurance reform, which clearly isn't the sexiest thing, but it's a lot of fun. Um, so I've been with them for uh, four and a half years. I really love the job because it's solutions and ideas focused and um, we get to work with everyone. My name is Stephanie Slade. I am the managing editor at Reason Magazine. Uh, Reason is a journalistic outfit that covers politics and culture from a libertarian perspective. So we write about politics and we write about culture as well, but we're trying to offer a sort of different perspective besides the Republican or Democrat, left or right. Libertarianism is basically a philosophy that says it should be more about individual liberty and less about government. I am Jeremy Garson. I am chief of staff and in-house counsel for the Bridge Alliance. And the work I do in the field can be summarized as trying to elevate everybody's voices. I tend to also be an advocate for voices that are not in the room, which in this movement, as we'll discuss, often are conservative and libertarian voices. And to quote our CEO, Debbie Lynn, I keep the trains running on time for the Bridge Alliance. Hi, I'm Michelle Dixon, and I work for Bridge Alliance as a development associate. A lot of the work I do involves working with our websites, as well as member recruitment, specifically in the conservative organization sector. 
So tell me a bit about what your introduction into the left-right political dichotomy was like and what specifically drew you to the right. I've always loved politics, even from when I was a kid. I I remember the TV show The West Wing being on when I was in high school, and that was very influential for me. I loved that show. It made me very interested in politics and very interested in moving to Washington, D.C. when I finished school, which is exactly what I did. Like many libertarians, though, I think, you know, we we all sort of grow up, for the most part, being told and, and absorbing the idea that politics is a binary. There's two options, you know, it's left or right, it's Republican or Democrat, and you're one or the other. Um, and within that framework, I, like many libertarians, found myself feeling like something isn't right here. I feel politically homeless. I don't feel like I fit into either of these camps. Um, I feel like on, on some issues, I'm very far to the left. And on some issues, I'm very far to the right. The word moderate doesn't do a good job of describing that. You could say independent, I guess, but there's a lot of different ways to be independent. And so I think most libertarians feel like, you know, what we are in favor of is something that transcends a little bit this idea that there's two ways of approaching politics, left and right. And it's much more about um, looking at each individual issue and deciding how can we maximize individual freedom. My dad introduced it to me. I always had questions when I saw political stuff around. Um, I didn't really know much about it. And I asked dumb questions because I was like eight years old. But um, I remember him and I going for a walk. And um, and he said that basically, you know, he agrees more with the right, that it's about, you know, lower taxes and fiscal responsibility and stuff like that. But that uh, the right could probably be better on stuff like uh, making sure that people are protecting the environment more. So over time... Um, I just kept learning about it and it was always asking my dad questions and it was just always kind of funny to me, you know, looking back at the conversations we had and now I get to work with an organization that um, helps the right get more into environmental protection and, and climate change and stuff like that. But what really drew me to the right was, gosh, it's been so long. So originally it was pro life stuff just because I genuinely wanted to protect life. But over time, it became more about markets and about regulation. So I stuck with the right over time. But the libertarian part of me was just like, you know, when government gets involved and stuff, I worry about uh, negative consequences. I learned about all different kinds of regulatory problems. But the key thing that really made me stay more libertarian and, and care so much about it was I remember a lawyer who worked at the Institute for Justice. His name is Clark Neely. Back in 2013, he gave a speech and it just always stuck with me still to this day. He was talking about um, an elder widow who had never had to provide for herself before. And the government stopped her from becoming a florist, which in Louisiana, it's the only state to license florists. The pass rate for the Louisiana florist exam was lower than for the bar exam. And even when she worked illegally, her clients loved her. It was fine. But the government said, no, you can't be a florist because you have to have a license and you can't get a license. And I just remember thinking how unjust it is and that there's lots of injustices that can occur all over and none of them are good. But at the very least, we shouldn't have injustices caused by government. So it, it's now kind of more the justice, more the market and freedom angles that get me more than anything. So as I mentioned, I definitely tend to be more progressive than conservative I was raised in a family of very progressive parents, very progressive siblings, and I've carried those values. But from a very early age, I've been surrounded by people with different perspectives than my own. Our family's housekeeper was very active in her church, which was in Center City, Philadelphia. And we went to see her preach a couple of times. And as a young Jewish man, it was a very different experience. Probably more formative, though, was on my bus in elementary school, 
up through middle school, I made friends with a kid who was the son of an evangelical pastor. And he and I got along really well. We were constantly hanging out. And it really just exposed me to a different way of thinking. And I was young enough where it didn't occur to me that this was a wrong way of thinking. I I didn't get indoctrinated like that. Instead, I got indoctrinated almost to think that various opinions were valid. And that sort of approach has carried with me my entire life. Um, One of my closest friends in high school was the daughter of a pastor in Philadelphia. And now my best friend is kind of a conservative libertarian. I've always just enjoyed connecting with people who have different perspectives, whether those are left, right, center. And with Bridge Alliance, because the movement tends to lean to the left, I feel a real need to connect with those people that remind me of my friend Paul in elementary school, that remind me of my friend Becky in high school, and just to really hold their values and their beliefs in the light. I was introduced to the dichotomy of the right and left. Basically, the day I came into the world, my mother was very Republican and my father is very progressive. So I watched them all throughout my life and major elections and they showed their different beliefs and they would debate over what they thought was right. And I would just attentively listen. And I didn't really understand much of it until I became older and was learning all of these ideas and policies in school. And whenever I was introduced to the education side of the right and left, I started seeing myself align more on the right side because I felt that there was more attention that needed to be given to the defense sector and limited government, uh, a lot of economic issues I was definitely very conservative on. And through seeing my parents' interaction of the right and left, I think I also got kind of a rose-colored lens of what the relationship between the two are because, you know, my parents were happily married and it never got in between them, that their political opinions were different. But whenever I did come into my own, I noticed that I align myself more with conservatives. So, Michelle, you identify as conservative. Shoshana, you identify as libertarian. And Jeremy, you identify as progressive libertarian, correct? I don't know what I identify as. I think I identify as a progressive libertarian. I actually uh, DM Shoshana on Twitter when it occurred to me that I was starting to lean in that direction and pointed out to her that I didn't know what that was. Um, And her reaction was the cheer. I joke every now and then with uh, the neoliberals that like, I like them. I like what they say. I don't always agree, but I'm not sure I'm sufficiently one. But they say that attitude is what makes you one of them. But I I can go different ways on stuff. I think it's more libertarian, but like I'm kind of just under the banner of freedom. Like I want to make sure people's rights are protected. They have freedom to do what they want. So often that's uh, grouped libertarian, but there's also libertarians who disagree with me on plenty of things. I love it when I can listen to the basis of ideologies and basically relate because I personally don't identify with any ideology. I literally will listen to perspectives and say, I definitely agree with that without even knowing what their labels are. Now on another note, 
I find that these days, within the hectic conversations about what liberals and conservatives stand for, there's no context of history presented. Like I've heard people on both sides say uh, what their message is or what the original values of their party are and how they've changed. But, you know, there's no like historical context as to the origin. And so does anyone have any type of context as to the origin of the right wing and what the original intent was? The historical context of both parties alone is very complex. And as we all know, the parties kind of switched back in like the late 1800s. But as far as it goes for the historical context of conservatives, I am very like reminiscent of almost the Nixon era. When you hear of a conservative, you think they are imperialist and traditionalist. They're very set in their ways and almost stubborn. And that's how it was kind of described to me growing up. The biggest thing conservatives that I've run into and myself believe is that when we say traditionalist, it's mainly following what our founding fathers intended for this country by going along with the American tradition. So that would be the biggest historical context from the conservative perspective for me. It's funny to me, too, because whenever I watch like historical videos, like the parties are so different from how they were even a few decades ago. I think there was like a clip from the 1960s or 70s where there's some Democrat yelling about hippies like you would never have that today. But it was kind of amusing to to hear. But I I think there's definitely strong strains of like traditionalism and um, desire to conform to founding values in conservatism. Um, I I think it looks a lot different today. There's all different kinds of stuff over it. But I think those are those are some big things. Also, really conserving what we have, you know, keeping the best of it, allowing people to, you know, to change it and to, to try stuff, but not losing sight of like good ideas and good values. But it it can go back and forth. Uh, Both parties kind of switch spots depending on the issue and stuff. You know, politics can be so fickle. So it's always kind of hard to say. But, you know, there's tons of think tanks and other organizations that have done work that kind of go with this kind of stuff. And I I know it's kind of outdated, but growing up, I always kind of thought of it as, you know, uh, the conservatives are fiscally conservative and um, socially conservative liberals are the opposite of that. But there's a lot more nuance in it these days. What do you all feel is really misconstrued about the right wing perspective? And how do you all think these misconceptions or, or stereotypes came to be? I think a lot of people hear the word libertarian or libertarianism, and they, they interpret it to mean something like selfishness, like all that matters is what I want. And that's not at all what the vast majority of libertarians mean. Certainly not what I mean. I want people to be free. I want everyone to be free, not just myself, to make choices that, you know, whatever choices are best for them. And if you think about like people who were in favor of abolition during the time of slavery in this country, um, many of them were fighting for someone else's freedom. This was not a selfish act on their part. They believed that to be liberated, to be free, to be able to run your life and, and control your choices and pursue the good life as you as you conceive of it was a good thing for everyone. It's almost in some ways very selfless to want to promote access to that 
for as many people as possible. So libertarianism is not selfishness. It's not saying that we are individuals who must only make choices based on what we think is in our own personal best interest or will benefit our own bottom line. There's debates um, even within libertarian, you know, the libertarian movement, but it's definitely not about the idea that individuals must only ever look out for themselves and ignore everyone else. There certainly are people in the world who feel that way, but that, there's nothing about libertarianism that requires that. Because no one seems to think about the concept of individual freedoms. That's not just for those that believe in that. We want individual freedoms for everyone. And so that literally is thinking about the entire country and how diverse we are and how everyone's individual perspective is just as valid. And so by wanting the best for the country, you are wanting what is best for everyone individually. Exactly. So I think for both libertarianism and conservatism, people think that they don't care about discrimination, about the environment and about stuff like that. But for us, you know, we really do. A a big part of my care and desire to work in regulatory reform is just that like it discriminates against the poorest people. It really has bad impact on communities of color as well. It just doesn't give everyone a fair shot when there's unnecessary barriers to success. It's something that kills me because people should all have opportunity to do whatever they want. Like I get to do what I love for a living every day and I wouldn't want to rob anyone of that. There's so many, you know, a lot of the Jim Crow stuff is still kind of going on in parts of the country and people don't realize that it's like Jim Crow relics still there and that that stuff needs to go. Sometimes people understandably, but misguidedly read positive intention into this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, that's bad. Another thing is just like a lot of people think that libertarians don't want any government, but um, there's a, a role for government to do lots of things. I'm okay with a lot of regulation. I just want it to make sense and to be based in evidence because when there's more regulation than is needed, it's still a necessary barrier to success for all different kinds of organizations and people. So it's not about none for me, but about, you know, the smart amount. And also, I think a lot of people think libertarians are like hedonists, which I always think is kind of funny. But for me, it's just, you know, I I like the way I live my life and I want everyone else to be able to do the same. So for me, it's just about everyone being able to choose what they want to do and not having barriers to it unless there's like a really good reason or um, harm could be caused to other people. And there's evidence of it, not just hypotheticals. So I think those are some of the big ones. I think the biggest thing actually is that right equals Republican. On the other side, left equals Democrat. In my opinion, the parties have really turned into something weird. And to have conservative values, to have libertarian values, to have progressive values is very distinct from whether you have a D or R or G, L, I, any of those letters next to your name. When I hear people conflate conservatism or libertarianism with the Republican Party, It just drives me crazy because it would be like someone saying, oh, you're progressive. Therefore, you agree with everything that, I don't know, Nancy Pelosi says. Great politician. She and I would have a lot of very strong disagreements if we ever had a conversation. So to me, that is the big thing that I see is a tendency to conflate the parties with the ideologies. So the two big things that really stick out with me, besides the obvious fact of, you know, people thinking Republicans and conservatives and libertarians are racist and bigots and don't care about the environment. There's two things that are often very misconstrued, which is that a lot of conservatives tend to be older white elitists 
which I'm none of those. I'm almost 25. I'm a Jewish woman who has strong Middle Eastern heritage. And another thing is that conservatives are very paranoid and untrusting. And this is something that I have noticed a lot amongst people making assumptions about the conservative perspective, that we believe a lot of the conspiracy theories that come along with some other conservatives' fringe beliefs like QAnon, and that we're all scared the government is watching every move we're making and they're trying to steal everything from us and everyone's out to get us and they're all lying to us. And there's always a deeper meaning behind the government wanting us to do something like get a vaccination. When I hear these, I I have to actually just laugh to myself because you know, I I can sometimes see why people will believe these conspiracies. I can assure you, not all conservatives do. If I may, I'd love to follow up on one thing that Michelle said. What we're talking about here is ideologies, is values, is a way of viewing the world, a way of governing. And somebody calling themselves conservative or progressive doesn't necessarily mean that all of their views actually reflect that self-identification. If you believe that Trump is going to become president on uh, October 15th, that's not conservative. That's just something different. And the fact that you label yourself as conservative doesn't mean that that theory is a conservative theory. So with that, what kind of responses have you all gotten when sharing your perspective amongst others who think differently than you, or maybe on the other side of the spectrum? I would say it's definitely been a mixed bag. Um, I think that there are a lot of people who have gone all in on this sort of left-right, red-blue binary. Um, And they feel very threatened when they see somebody who doesn't fit neatly into the categories, who they can't clearly um, categorize as either friend or enemy. And so they can sometimes be quite hostile to the idea that libertarians are sometimes going to be on the left and sometimes on the right, depending on the issue. Yeah, that, I think it's threatening to some people. I definitely have seen a lot of that. Um, and especially when you venture into social media, people are not always on their best behavior there. So the feedback is not always positive. On the other hand, I can't tell you how often I'm talking to people and they say something like, hey, what you're describing sounds awesome. I didn't realize that was an option. I thought that I had to pick one team or the other and that was it. Maybe I'm a libertarian after all. You know, I like what I hear here. It's very refreshing to hear an alternative, something that, again, breaks out of that that sort of stale framework. So it's not all positive. It's not all negative. But um, it's always rewarding when I can sort of try to help people consider the possibility that they don't have to be beholden to one team or the other. And they're allowed to think for themselves. And, um, and there are other options out there. I, I've always been like, ever since I was little, like everyone's favorite Republican, like everyone would be like, oh, you're good, but it's the others who are the problem. And I just think it's like, we don't talk to each other enough. And like, we allow media to let us be sensationalized. But I mean, I work with people on the other side constantly on, on all different kinds of issues. Most of the time, people are pretty level-headed. I get pushed back about equally from uh, both sides on, on all different kinds of things. As long as someone's level-headed, you know, being able to talk with them, I think we end up agreeing on a lot more than we expect to, no matter what the issue is. Well, first of all, I'm not progressive enough among most of my progressive friends. My, my law school friends have accused me multiple times of being a neoliberal. I don't even know what that means anymore. So when engaging with people who are on the right of center side, as Michelle knows, I just love to 
engaged. I just find it fun and I find it engaging. So as Shoshana said, she was everyone's favorite Republican. I unfortunately tend to be everyone's least favorite Republican. I attended graduate school at a school that was at the time ranked the seventh most liberal university in the nation. So my classes and my experience in grad school was one conservative against 20 or so progressives. And I was met with a lot of responses of disgust. So most of the time, the feedback I would get is, why would you think that way? And that I'm close-minded. As I've moved on into my professional career, it's been everything but that. Everyone is very understanding of my beliefs. And I think my team especially sees a lot of merit in my ideologies, which has been very different experience, but very heartwarming and almost endearing. So with this understanding of how society has been misinformed about the right wing, how do you all feel that we can start working towards reversing polarization? Um, I think it has to be a lot of stuff, but um, I think it would help if our leaders were a little bit better in like not polarizing stuff. And if media also did less of that, there's just a lot of bad incentives that aren't really unique to politics. They just thrive in politics for understandable reasons, um, not putting stuff in partisan terms all the time, taking things at value rather than labels and stuff. Um, because sometimes labels are helpful. They're, they can be helpful heuristics, but I, I don't find them as helpful as they used to be in politics. And even when they were a little bit more helpful, I'm not sure that they were necessarily good. And then just working with people who disagree with you on other things. Um, I've worked with everyone from uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren on licensing reform to Governor Polis and Governor Ducey, just everyone across the spectrum. And it's it's rewarding. Shoshana, you are the most humble name dropper I've ever met. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I never met Warren. I just worked with her staff, but they were great. Um, but Polis and Ducey and, and some other politicians I know are just like wonderful people. And they're just nerds who want to do good stuff. And I'm like, it's just cool to know people who are in power and want to do good things. I think the main thing is that we have raised up politics to be the end-all be-all in our society. So many people think that politics and who controls Congress and who sits in the White House is the most important thing in their life. Because our government is large and our government is powerful and government can destroy people's lives. It can ruin industries or it can save industries. It can pass laws that infringe on people's rights or not. I mean, it, it does have this incredible power the sort of famous political science definition of what the state or the government is, is it's the institution in society with a monopoly on the use of violence. People tend to think that like, oh my gosh, if, if my side isn't in charge, then that's the end of my life. That's the end of everything I care about and my, the end of my way of life. Um, but it doesn't need to be that way. And I think that the most important thing we could do as Americans is to stop thinking of government as the only institution that exists to solve problems. I mean, this is why libertarians are in favor of small, you know, quote unquote, small government or limited government. Government should do a very small number of things and it should leave us to figure the rest out on our own. And that way we would not feel like every election is a life or death situation. And if, if my team doesn't win, then I might as well spark a, a civil war or a revolution because it's, it's all over for me. It doesn't need to be that way. We could have a limited government that you know keeps the trains running at a, at a very minimal level. And we could all in our communities and our families at the local level, uh, work on solving the rest of those problems so that my solution in Washington, DC and somebody else's solution in California and somebody else's solution in Montana or 
you know, New, New Hampshire don't all have to be the same to these problems. It doesn't all have to come top down through the, you know, the national political system. If we would all accept that, like, this is the meaning of pluralism, that politics is, is not the end all be all of life. I think the best way is just to listen and engage and don't engage with the intent of trying to convince people always. Um, it's fine to represent your side, but I, I think th- that's a big thing. However, I'm going to step back a little bit here and maybe the best way is to stop making every conversation with someone on the other side about politics and just getting to know people for the complex people that they are independent of how they think that our government should work. That should not be the defining characteristic. Just like this idea that can you be friends with someone who believes such and such or who voted for Trump or Clinton? Talk with people who you disagree with, but not necessarily about that disagreement. Let's not use all of our mental energy talking about our differences. Let's let's actually like get to know each other's neighbors almost. So, Jeremy, I think your point is extremely important. I want to say about 95% of my closest friends are so far on the other side of my ideology that some people are amazed that we're so close. The biggest thing that I've seen that's frustrated me is with some of my friends, they've started dating someone or they start hanging out with someone new who is of a different political belief and they'll try to almost convert them. And to me, that's basically saying you're not on the right side. What we do is better. And in no way, shape or form should you try to discredit someone else's beliefs just because you do not agree with them. And that leads into my point of we're all Americans, which sounds so cliche. The second Americans start realizing that we are on the same team, we all want the same thing for this country is the second that we can work together and do what really needs to be done to help get America on track. I can completely understand why you would feel that that would be something that is realistic and it is, but not on every level. Unfortunately, you do have issues that are both personal and extremely political that it would be difficult for you to remain friends with someone if you found out that they agreed with said policy. And I'll use one of the biggest is abortion, of course. Um, You do have people that are are pro-life and that's amazing until you get down to what happens when these babies are born. I think that on some levels, it is an amazing skill or an amazing tactic to to put into your friendships of just leaving politics out of it. But when you come from a certain environment, you've had certain trials and tribulations that if you really look into it are only possible because of legislation and certain policies we have in this country, it's it's hard to be like, you're my girl or you are a, a good, good friend to me. But the fact that you vote this way and this is what comes as a result of how you vote, it's hard. It's really hard to do that. It's not necessarily straightforward to say policy, politics don't matter at all with who you choose to associate with. It's sort of like First Amendment rights to me. It's all well and good to say not all speech should be protected, But the second you say that, you start to go on a very slippery slope where 
there's a valid argument as to any belief why it should be a deal breaker. And I'm, I, I know I'm painting with very broad strokes here, making very broad generalization. The more I have seen our polarized world, the less willing I am to make that judgment and start down that slope and try to figure out where those lines are. It's just hard to draw lines. I mean, people close to me won't take the vaccine and drives me nuts, but I still, I don't stop it from letting them be close to me. Other people close to me have had abortions. Other people disagree with me totally on like my life's calling of licensing reform, which also drives me nuts. But it's just, you know, I think that it's important to like know everyone's life and perspective and stuff. And I I don't know where to draw lines. Usually hate is kind of where I draw the line, but it doesn't really matter about their political position. It care it's more about like what they are motivated by. Like I don't want to be around a hateful person. It's not personally not good for me, but also probably not good to uh to be around someone like that who's not open. It just boils down to personal stuff. If someone's wrong, but means really, really well, you know, I just have a hard time wanting to dissociate from them if they're open to ideas and you can maybe change their mind. And, um, and even if they're wrong, maybe they can try to work to change my mind. I think it just comes down to a human more than a political thing. There's a difference between saying, I want what I want and you want what you want. And I don't care that what I want infringes upon who you are. I would rather have what I want, not at your expense or livelihood. Well, this has certainly been an eye-opening conversation. Thank you all so much for taking the time to discuss such an important matter with me. Uh, Go ahead and let everybody know where they can reach you and find out more about the work you do. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter way too much at Senator Shoshana. Um, R Street tweets almost as much as I do at RSI and rstreet.org. Um, I swear a lot. So if you like that, come to me. If you don't like the swearing, just follow R Street, where uh, swear words are very uh, uncommon. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, really pitch Shoshana, despite her swearing, as a great follow on Twitter. But uh, if you want to co- get in contact with me, um, first of all, sign up for our newsletter. Go to bridgealliance.us. If you Uh, sign up for a newsletter. If you receive our newsletter and reply, I will be replying back to you. Also make sure to follow the Bridge Alliance Education Fund on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, we're everywhere. And I'll also give a shout out to Citizen Connect, which is our newest project. If you are looking to get involved with the movement, go to Citizen Connect. Events are posted there on a variety of subjects. And yeah, it's a great onboard to the movement. Shameless plug. I would definitely encourage everybody and, and, and invite everybody to, to read Reason, reason.com. It's very easy to remember. You can just read us online and we're producing stuff day in and day out, um, responding to the news. We also have a print magazine that comes out once a month. We've been around for actually uh, 53 years. Uh, most people don't know that. And, and so there's a long, long history and a deep archive of us discussing and debating and exploring these ideas and trying to articulate a different way of approaching politics than the dualistic red or blue way that most of us have been raised with. I can be reached at slade at reason.com. And I'm also very um, active on Twitter at slade sr is my handle on Twitter. And I'm, I'm there and I love engaging with people and hearing from people that way as well. Along with Jeremy's shameless plug of Citizen Connect, if you hit the contact button and send an email, all of those emails get sent to me. So that is one way. My Twitter is doodle, like the drawing doodle, underscore D1207. 
And there I just mainly post a lot of retweets of my senators and congressmen, also a lot of TikToks. So pretty entertaining occasionally. Uh, So that's where you can find me. Since we're all shamelessly plugging ourselves, I'll give my Twitter. That's where I'm probably the most active. And that's at Simple Shay Shay. That's S-H-A-Y-S-H-A-Y in the number three. I just want to say, if anyone on listening to this podcast finds me on Twitter, don't follow me. I'm not worth it. I have 42 followers. I don't know why. Much better follows. Follow Shay or Michelle or Shoshana. All of them are much better. Today, I learned that you never know whether someone completely embodies the extreme perspectives that you see on TV and social media. True reform in this country has got to start with how we interact with citizens on a day-to-day basis. If we're ever going to beat polarization, we have to start listening and building bridges, not yelling from either side of them. My name is Shakira Mills. This has been a Bridge Alliance podcast, and thank you for listening.